This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Our reading from the life of Jesus is found today in Luke's Gospel. We're reading from the 23rd chapter. When they came to the place that's called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right, one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood watching. But the leaders scoffed at Jesus, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Messiah. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. There's also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanging there kept deriding Jesus and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we are indeed condemned justly, for we're getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks. Please be seated. Grace and peace be yours through Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords, amen. We're in the fourth week of a series about questions found in the lectionary text of Scripture, and I suppose it's not necessary to say, but I got questions. I got a lot of questions, a lot of questions, and I just came from being with all the children in the parish. They got a lot of questions. They got questions about heaven. They got questions about were the fish actually on the ark, or or were they in the water? Uh, They got questions about where did they come from? And does God have a mom and a dad? Uh, So if we're honest, I think we should start at the level and say we got questions. And this is the last Sunday of the church year, as Suzanne shared with you. It's our final reading from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Next week we switch. First Sunday of a new year, first Sunday of Advent, and first Sunday reading from the Gospel of Matthew. So this is Luke's last shot for three years of worship with us. It's called Christ the King Sunday. Share where it actually came from. Shortly after World War I, 1925, when unbridled nationalism had wreaked devastation on the world, and on Europe in particular, had sowed the seeds of fascism that would take another war to resolve, Pope Pius XI suggested that the church, the whole global church, would do well at the end of the year to call one Sunday Christ the King, the Reign of Christ Sunday. And the need for that was so obvious across all Christendom that even Protestant churches followed the Pope (laughs) and joined in and said, Christ the King Sunday, that makes sense to us. A Sunday to remember that there is no 
one country, there is no one denomination, there is no one religion, much less ideology, that reigns over us, supreme. Only Jesus does that. Only Jesus. That's what Paul's letter to the Colossians was about. Uh, By this point in the church's history, they didn't refer to Jesus as Jesus. They started calling him the Christ because they started thinking of Jesus more cosmically and as reigning over all of the world. And you could hear that as Shireen read the lesson. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In him, all things in heaven and earth, things invisible and visible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and in him, and he himself is before all things, and all things hold together by him. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. Now, I'm not jumping into all your politics, but if you've been grieving, let me suggest to you that that one passage could provide you more comfort right now than anything you've heard on the news this last week. And then, then we get this crazy reading from Luke. Last Sunday of the church year, and it got Jesus on a cross again. I don't think there could be more upside-down way of thinking of a king than as one mocked and crucified on a cross. Shouldn't have been that big of a surprise, I guess. Um, When Mary learns that she's going to have a baby, that her born-to-be-the-king-of-the-world son, she sings a song. He will scatter the proud, she sings. He'll bring down the powerful from their thrones. The lowly he will lift up. He'll fill all of those who are hungry. He'll send the rich away empty-handed. And then when Jesus comes into his public ministry, the very first thing that he does is he goes back home to the synagogue to preach. And as often is the case, it doesn't go well. He lets his home congregation know from the very beginning that He's a lot more interested in the poor than he is those who are rich. And he's a lot more interested in freeing those who are in bondage than he is to sucking up to those who are in power. He quotes the prophet Isaiah, and then he rolls the scroll back up and he says, right now, from right now, this is going to be fulfilled among us. And that's not the kind of king, that's not the kind of kingdom that they were looking for. So they run him out of town. They run the hometown boy out of town, right to the edge of a cliff. And that's pretty much what he does from that point on. He doesn't fast when he's supposed to fast. He doesn't work when he's supposed to work. He actually works on the Sabbath. He hangs around with all the wrong people, the unclean people and the sinners. He blesses those who are poor and hungry, weeping, and he drops a lot of woe. We read about it on All Saints Sunday upon those who are rich and full and powerful. He believes in forgiving those who wrong you. Even though the Bible teaches an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, Jesus doesn't teach that. And he has the gall, we heard it a week ago, he has the gall to suggest that a nasty tax collector who is aware of his need before God is closer to the kingdom of God than a religious fanatic. He taught his disciples more than once that his kingship, his reign, his rule was going to take him to a cross and that he was going to be crucified and that he was going to die. And I want to tell you, all of that scared the bejabbers out of them. And they didn't like to talk about it any more than I like to talk about it now. This is the king. 
This is the ruler of the entire universe hanging on a cross, being spit on and whipped and called a loser. Teaching to the very end that God's power is made perfect in weakness. Teaching that God chooses that which is weak to shame those who are powerful. Chooses the lowly rather than the great. So yeah, I got questions, uh, a lot of questions. Had them for a long time. I don't know what your undergraduate survey of American religions was like. It was the first time I was exposed to Jonathan Edwards and his imprint upon American evangelicalism. Jonathan Edwards said that we're all sinners in the hands of an angry God. The God is just so mad and so angry, and he's going to take every last one of us and roast us on a spit, unless you believe the way I believe. In that case, God's going to redeem you. It's Jesus showing us a different way, ushering in his reign of grace, that it's not we, but he. Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says to them, if you want to save your life, well, then lose it. And if you lose your life for the sake of my name and the world, you're going to gain your life. I, I just think that's really hard for people to see. It's really hard to talk about. It's not about who has the most cash, or who has the most votes, or the most guns, or the most food, or the most power, or the most people in their sanctuary, or their mosque. It's about something different. Switch gears with me now for this moment. The Roman Empire crucified people as a way of making an example out of them. You didn't get crucified for stealing. You didn't get crucified for committing adultery. It's, it's a Roman teaching moment to be crucified. As it turns out, it's a teaching moment for Jesus as well, his last teaching moment. And Rome had a lot of fun with this, a lot of fun with this whole king thing. Pilate nails a sign over the top of his head, king of the Jews, ha ha. Soldiers twist a crown of thorns, force it on his head. Soldiers who pounded the nails in his hands gamble over his royal robe. Winners, passing the loser on the cross, jeer at him. You saved others, save yourself. If this is your king, says Rome, and let's stop for a moment, says also the religious leaders who had already sold out. When Pilate asked them, is this your king? They could have said the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. They could have said to shame and love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. But what they said was, we have no king except Caesar. If this is your king, says Rome, says the religious authorities, well, pity on you. Let me tell you a little personal anecdote. I'm not going to be very specific, but as some of you know, I got a, a son and is a naval officer, exceedingly proud of him when he does. Graduate of the Naval Academy, a uh, number of tours already, studying at the War College right now. And years ago, we were visiting a ship that he was, he was on. I'm not going to name it either. All these sermons go out on podcasts, so I'm not doing that. But uh, one of the privileges of being his dad is that every once in a while we get to go where he works and see what he does. And it's pretty exciting sometimes. And, uh, and you have to get some security to do that. So the day before I have to go, I have to fill out a bunch of forms. Uh, I have to be identified. I have to have my, my ID. The next day I have to go through the Naval Station security again, show them all the ID they just gave me the day before. Then when I get to the parking lot, I've got to show them another ID. Then when I go up the plank to get in the ship, I've got to show them the same ID. 
Finally, I'm getting to the hold of this big giant ship, and once again, somebody stops me and wants to see my ID. And finally, uh, Jake says, Pop, this is kind of uncomfortable, but let's just go up to my room and I'll, I'll change clothes. He was just wearing civilian clothes at that point. Now, I don't know how any of this stuff works, but uh, evidently you, you have like bars and stripes and things on your uniform. And from that point on, every time someone walked up to us, they stopped and they saluted. And when I'd reach to get my ID, they would say, oh, no, that's okay, you're with him. You're with him. <laughs> I want to let that sit there for just a moment in the context of two thieves on a cross. You're with him. <laughs> One of those crucified with Jesus wrongly identified Jesus as innocent. Jesus was not the least bit innocent. He was born to do this. He'd been poking and prodding the Roman bear all his life. He told his disciples exactly what was going to happen. At this point, it's already been established in Luke that even the wind and the waves obey him, that he has the power to exercise and heal and multiply, even raise others from the dead. He once stood in front of a a whole mob of people and said, if any of you are without sin, you throw the first stone. Jesus did not have to die on this cross. He's the king. And this king is ushering in a new kingdom, a new way. But none of them see it. None of them see it. One of them even joins in taunting. If you are really the king, well then save yourself. That's not the kind of king he is. He doesn't exist to save himself. One person speaks up. One person. And in an act of faith that even his own disciples do not match, he pledges his allegiance to a suffering servant king. Jesus came into the world with his mama singing how he's going to turn everything upside down. And at the last moment, the only person who gets it is a dying thief who says, Jesus, dying here on his cross, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. I'm mean, sure you, you hear this part because that, that ain't the end of the story. That would be a horrible story at that point. A story that Frank is told out too much in the world right now. Oh, you love your neighbors. Oh, you do all these nice things. Well, sucker. Feel sorry for you. What a nice king. They killed him. Next week, we're going to start the whole story over again. We're going to savor it. We're going to linger in the precious story of Jesus who died and who rose from the dead and who ascended into heaven and whose kingdom has no end Three days later, he'll rise from the dead, not to kick anyone's butt, not to exact any vengeance on anyone, but to tell those who are taking up their crosses that we are to love God and love our neighbors, and you don't have to be afraid. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's in his kingdom right now, and he's remembering, and he's ruling the world the same way he lived his life. We did this series by looking at the lectionary and pulling out a question each week. And this is the question that was in this gospel reading today. Uh, Don't you fear God? Don't you fear God? No. I don't. I don't fear God. King of kings, Lord of lords, on the throne, Alpha and Omega. 
That's not how it works with my God, fear. My king ain't like the other kings. We're going to transition next. We're going to leave here, eat a little turkey, and then next we're going to come to be like pre-Christmas. I know how this works. Everybody's going to be stomping. Everybody's going to be expecting to see Christmas things. We're working on all that stuff right now. I got it, Advent. But let me make the transition for you in a song that's meant to do that. He rules the world. He rules the world. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders of his love. That's the message of the cross. Joy to the world, the whole world. Everything's going to be all right because you're with him. Today, world, you can be with me in paradise. Amen.